Good morning, and welcome to our program, Our American Heritage. I am the host, Art Turner, and it is our desire at American Heritage to explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. Understanding the history of this great nation is paramount to understanding our greatness. And today we want to share a few thoughts about veterans, United States veterans. And I would like to do an ongoing series from time to time, highlighting the different veterans of the American military, the different ethnic groups of the American military over the years, and how appreciative we all are to every American who has served in our military in the past, the present, and the future, both the men and women who have given part of their lives, their youth, Many have given their lives in defense of our country, and we can never, ever appreciate our veterans enough. We can never thank them enough. We can never remember them enough. And we can never, ever do enough to continue to help our veterans in so many different ways because of their sacrifice and what they have given to our nation. And the caveat that I must share with all the listeners is I am not a veteran of our military. So when I speak about our veterans, I do not have a bias toward a particular branch or particular group of veterans because I have not ever served in the United States military. And as I look back on my life, it is now one of the regrets that I have in my life that I did not serve in the United States military. I went through one of the three years of President Nixon's lottery system as he was doing away with the mandatory draft. I was 1A for a year when I was in college, and because of the high lottery number that I have, I was not drafted to go into the military. As I look back, I wish now that I had served in some capacity in defense of our nation, but we can't go back and change the past, nor do I talk and revere the veterans from the sake of having a guilty conscience, not serving. I honor our veterans as much as I can because of what they have done, what they are doing, and what they will continue to do for all of us as American citizens. I grew up in a household where my father was a World War II veteran. He was also in the reserves during the Korean conflict. He taught us, and my mother taught us as children, to respect our military, respect people who have served in the military, to honor them in any way that we possibly can, which I have believed and instilled also in our sons to have a tremendous respect for all of our veterans and all those serving. So we're going to do shows from time to time highlighting different veterans and different veterans groups to continue and help all of us to remember what these people have done, who they are, and honor them in any way we possibly can. We look back on our history, and we know November 11th each year is Veterans Day. Veterans Day is totally different than Memorial Day. Veterans Day is we honor and remember all of our veterans. Memorial Day is we honor the veterans who have given and sacrificed their lives to protect and defend our freedom. So as we look at Veterans Day, uh, we have to look back. And the first organized national Veterans Day was in Birmingham, Alabama in 1947 by a gentleman named Raymond Weeks. 
And he organized National Veterans Day parades and other activities and other festivities to honor all the veterans. And it was held on November 11th because that was the peace treaty that ended or armistice of World War I. So in 1947, it was originally called Armistice Day, which later was then changed to Veterans Day by uh, Representative Edwards of Kansas. And from 1947 on, it has now been held and honored every year. In 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a proclamation that now officially November 11th is Veterans Day. And it's because of the ending of World War One, or I should say the armistice of World War One. In 1982, the originator of National Veterans Day received the Congressional Medal of Honor from President Reagan, Raymond Weeks, because of the starting of the Veterans Day. And then in 1968, the law was passed to have the fourth Monday in October as Veterans Day. But as oftentimes what happens, it, it, Congress gets involved in areas where they probably shouldn't be involved. And that law of 1968 on the fourth Monday of October was not popular because it was not a, November 11th. Then in 1978, Congress returned Veterans Day to November 11th. So this is why we observe now Veterans Day every November 11th. Legally, Two minutes of silence should be observed at 2.11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because of the observance of the armistice in 1918. As I looked and I did some research on some statistics of veterans in American history, we've had over 22 million men and women who have served in the United States military over our history. 2.2 million veterans that served in World War II, when they came home from the war, they went to college on the GI Bill. Over a million veterans today are still using the GI Bill after their service to either continue their education or to receive their education to go on to what they want to do with their lives. We have over 1,000 veterans hospitals and medical facilities throughout the United States that serve our veterans. And we always will try to do whatever we can medically and physically for all of our veterans. And our veterans, which is very unique to the United States military, our veterans come from all different walks of life. Some are parents, obviously some are children, grandparents, friends, neighbors, co-workers. They have all come from different aspects of the American life to serve in our military. As we know, as we have a civilian military, uh, during this past election, last November 2022, in the midterm elections, just about a fifth or 21% of all the candidates running for the United States Senate, the United States House, or governors claim to have some degree of military service. 10% of living veterans today, 10% of living veterans today are women. 5.9 million veterans served during the Vietnam War. 
uh, misunderstanding is that the majority of men and women who served in Vietnam were drafted and they went to Vietnam not wanting to go. Vietnam is the highest percentage of volunteers in our military in any one of our wars, which is surprising to a lot of people. 59% of the men who served in Vietnam during the Vietnam era, 59% were enlistees who volunteered to go. We have over 3 million that had served as veterans during the Vietnam era in Vietnam. 7.8 million veterans served in the Gulf War era. 933,000 veterans served during the Korean conflict. Over 16 million Americans who served in World War II, just about 167,000 are still alive as of 2022, which many of us historians say that the World War II generation is the greatest generation who has ever lived. And we're just about 167,000 still alive in 2022 from the World War II generation. And we're losing them now because of old age of about a thousand a day. In 2022, states that have the highest percentage of veterans is Alaska, Virginia, and Montana, which is just astounding to me that, that Alaska, Virginia, and Montana have the highest percentage of vets still alive today. Since the beginning of our nation, listeners, we have fought at about a dozen major wars. We have intervened in way over 200 military conflicts in our history, whether they're conflicts or wars, way about approximately 210. Every generation of Americans have witnessed combat in one form or another. Tens of millions of Americans have suited up to serve in the armed forces again, including 16 million during World War II alone. World War II gives us the largest military ever in the history of the world, 16 million. And by the end of World War II, we had a little over 12 million men and women who were serving in the United States Armed Forces. And when the European conflict was over, and then when the Pacific conflict was over, our government wanted to get these veterans home as quickly as possible and get them integrated back into civilian life. And over 12 million needed to come home as quickly as possible. And certainly just discharging them from the military all at one time would be a major disaster. We needed to have some sort of a program that would get these men and women home as quickly as possible, integrate them back into the American culture and society, get them back into their lives and continue their lives and lifestyle as they did before the war. And few people understand that it was a General Dwight D. Eisenhower who came up with the plan to get our veterans home as quickly as possible, integrate them back into the American society, get them on with their lives, continue either with their college education or their vocations or their jobs, get them back to their families. So we went from 12 million in 1945 
in about a year and six months, it went from 12 million down to about 700,000. And most of that 700,000 were career soldiers. And that plan was implemented by General Dwight D. Eisenhower. Well over a million Americans have died in warfare. The vast majority of these obviously was the Civil War and then World War II. For years, we had the number about 620,000 Americans died in the Civil War. Just about three years ago, two actuaries who did years of research and study have given us even a larger number and even a larger tragic number that somewhere they believe about 750,000 Americans died during the Civil War. Possibly up, up to almost 800,000 Americans died in the Civil War. And then in World War II, we had 410,000 Americans die in World War II in Europe, in North Africa, and in the Pacific, 410,000. In all of World War II, 67 million people lost their lives fighting World War II. America lost the least amount of people percentage-wise with the military involved in World War II. The Soviets lost 27 million people in World War II. The average comes out to somewhere around 23,000 people a day were killed during World War II. So given the importance in American history, it's not one bit surprising when we look at the military conflicts, this hallowed role that veterans play in our history and this hallowed role that's in the public conscience, particularly today. And we see this as veterans are honored at sporting events and different public events that, that we see throughout our country. We, we see veterans walking through airports we, we, in their uniforms. We see people thanking them for their service. We thank them for everything that they are doing and have done. And one of the tragedies is how our veterans were treated when they came home from the Vietnam conflict. And oftentimes, the misrepresentation that a lot of Americans had about our military in Vietnam. And now we see from this point on how we honor our military for their service and what they have done and what they are doing. One of the groups that I'd like to emphasize in talking about veterans is the role that Jewish Americans have played throughout history in our military. And, you know, as we look at different groups, Jewish Americans, immigrants, Irish Americans, German Americans, English Americans, or Japanese Americans that have served in our military, I would like to do throughout time speak about the different groups that have served in our military that have been emphasized as veterans. At the beginning of at the Revolutionary War in colonial time period, there was about 2,000 Jewish people that lived in the colonies, which is about one-tenth of a percent of the American population at that time. There was just approximately 2 million colonists during this colonial time period, about 2 million. There were five Jewish communities that existed at the beginning of the Revolution five Jewish communities, New York, Philadelphia, 
Newport, Connecticut, Charleston, and Savannah. So about 2,000 Jewish Americans were living in the colonies at the time of the American Revolution. If we split that in half and bring it down to about half of them were men, half of them were women, if we bring the numbers to about 1,000 men and 1,000 women, it, it could fluctuate a little either way. The large majority of Jewish Americans sided with the patriotic cause. And this comes from a, a Jewish historian, Eli Faber, who has done significant work with Jewish Americans, particularly during the Civil War. The oldest Jewish American who served in the American Revolution was a man named Daniel Gomez. And I'm just guessing that probably no one has ever, we don't ever hear anything about Daniel Gomez. He was 80 years old. And he volunteered for service, and he raised his own company of soldiers, particularly in the South, in Georgia, to fight the British in the American Revolution, 80 years old. Another gentleman is a person named Francis Salvador. He came to America in 1773 for opportunity, for economic opportunity. He came to Charleston, South Carolina within a year. Francis was elected to the South Carolina Assembly. He is, Francis Salvador, is the first Jewish American to be elected to any political body in American history. Francis Salvador. Within a year of arriving here, he was elected to the South Carolina Assembly. He was re-elected a second time to the Provincial Congress of South Carolina. And on August 1st of 1776, Salvador was the first Jewish American casualty of the American Revolution. Unfortunately, in a fight at Fort 96, a Cherokee native who was fighting for the British and shot and killed him and then scalped him. And he was 29 years old. So Francis Salvador gave his life for the cause of freedom. And he had only been here for approximately three years when he got here, and he was 29 years old. Hyman Solomon is another wonderful example. He emigrated to America in 1775. His occupation, he was a financial broker, which is extremely important, as you'll see. He became a member of the Sons of Liberty in New York City. In September of 1776, the British arrested Hyman Solomon in New York City and accused him of being a spy. He was retained as a spy on a British ship for 18 months, and how he did not die on the ship is just another fascinating story. But the British finally, after 18 months, released him as a prisoner of war from a British ship and then again, in 1778, Solomon was arrested again by the British in New York City. He was convicted of espionage by the British, and he was sentenced to death. Fortunately, he was able to escape to Philadelphia with his family and then set up his business, and he set up his family in Philadelphia. Again, he was a finance broker, which is extremely important, because from 1781 to 1784, 
Solomon raised a tremendous amount of money, lending it to the Continental Army. We all know of Robert Morris, who was one of the financiers of the American Revolution. Haman Solomon raised $650,000 for the Continental Army. In today's money, that would be over $16 million that he raised for the cause of freedom. In August of 1781, Washington needed $20,000 to get his troops and the French troops down to Yorktown. Robert Morris said he, he couldn't raise any more money. He could not raise any more money. He had no more money. And General Washington said, well, then send for Haman Solomon. He will raise the money, which Haman raised, Haman Solomon raised the $20,000 so that Washington could get the Continental troops and General Rochambeau and the French troops down to Yorktown for the last major siege of Yorktown. But without that money from Haman Solomon, Yorktown never would have happened. He was never repaid. He was never repaid for all the money he either raised or loaned to the Continental Army. This man died in poverty in 1785, January 8th, at age 44. Stanley could not even afford a gravestone for his grave. Years later, his grandson installed a marble tablet on his grave. So here is a man that raised in our money, today's money, $16 million. He died a pauper, never was repaid. And then later on, a grave marker was put on his grave, and it's inscripted, an American patriot, Haman Solomon, in 1893. Congress forged a gold medal struck in his honor. And then in 1941, there is a monument in Chicago that was placed depicting General Washington on one side, flanked by Haman Solomon and Robert Morris on the other side as the two financiers of the American Revolution. Without this money, we would have never, ever had a Continental Army survive the war and for our freedom. And then in 1975, the Postal Service made a stamp in Solomon's honor and for the Patriot cause. Listeners in our area in Fraser, there is a Jewish cemetery that is where Haman Solomon is buried. And just recently, this is also where Jim Croce is also buried. So as we look briefly at some of these Jewish Americans in the revolution, they played a tremendous role in the American Revolution, and they played a tremendous role throughout our history as Jewish Americans in the cause of freedom. So this is just one aspect, uh, one group that we look at and emphasize of what they have done for the American cause and protecting and defending our freedom. And as I close this show, I'd like to read, I have done things that haunt me at night so I can sleep in peace. I have been away from my family a long time so that I can be safe. I have sacrificed a lot of my life so that you may be free. I have done these things because I have sworn an oath to my country, and I will live by this oath until I die, 
because I am and always will be a United States veteran. Thank you, veterans, for all that you have done for us as Americans to keep us free. We honor you, we respect you, we love you, and there is nothing that we can ever do to thank you enough for everything and for your service. This is 1180 AM WFYL, working for your liberty.